Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. If you're applying to medical school in 2022 to start medical school in 2023, join me Wednesday or Thursday, Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern or Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern at premedworkshop.com. Go register today. I'm going to show you how to tell your story in your application. Again, that's premedworkshop.com. If you are applying to medical school in 2022, be there or be square. The Premed Years, session number 371. Hello, and welcome to The Premed Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Premed Years. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I hope your New Year's is going well. As this episode comes out, it is New Year's 2020. If you're listening to this in the future, I hope climate change is under control. That's all I got to (laughs) say. I have a great guest for you today, someone that uh, I had reached out to and communicated with on Instagram for a while. And when I realized that her story was a little bit unique and one of being an international student, which a lot of you are, I wanted to bring her on and share her story So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive in. Say hello to Jerry and hear her story. Jerry, welcome to the pre-med year. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Dr. Gray, for having me. It's exciting for me. I'm excited to have you. We've been chatting on Instagram for a while now. (laughs) And when you shared the good news that you got into medical school, I was like, oh, I think you have a good story to tell. or I hope you have a good story to tell. Let's bring you on the podcast. But as I like to start with most students, I want to know when you first realized you wanted to be a physician, which I'll put an asterisk on. You said, please don't ask me that question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I did say that because in interviews, you get asked a lot uh, on that question. But my interest in becoming a physician, I guess, started out really early uh, in my childhood as in a lot of people, other people's story as well. I have a family member who encountered some kind of health issue. And then it was the doctors there to help them going through this difficulty. And me as a child witnessing everything, I had this kind of feeling that this is something I want to do. But it was just the seed that you always talk about. Mm -hmm. But going through uh, growing up, I'm only thinking, oh, I'm going to the healthcare field, but I'm not like not actually sure what I really want to do, like whether I want to be a doctor or whether 
I want to be other health professions. I actually started out my college as a pre-physical therapy student. Mm. But um, as I was doing a lot of shadowing and I was doing a lot of volunteering, uh, I was taking the EMT class and I started taking anatomy and physiology. And the more I learned about physiology, the more I learned about the medical field, the more exposure I got, I realized that what makes me more fulfilled is more than just physical therapy. Not to say anything bad about physical therapy. It's mm-hmm. just like, I want to do more and have more involvement in patient treatment and seeing different aspects of medical care kind of drives me into, oh, doctor is the, the, the job that I want to do and the way I want to help people. So that's kind of my journey. What do you think led you to the physical therapy world first? Um, I think it's, because I've always enjoyed playing sports since my childhood and I have a passion in medicine. And I think it was one year when I was watching a basketball game and one player, poor George, he had a very bad tibia fibula open fracture. And I started looking into all the medical background and inside of it. And I started to realize, Oh, this is something really cool. And I like it. And I was deciding to study abroad in the U.S. at that point. And one of my friends just suggested, oh, you like medicine and you like sports. So have you thought about physical therapy? And I looked into the profession and I think, yeah, this is something really interesting and I can help people with something I'm passionate about. So that's why I chose physical therapy. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So you started pre-PT, you realized physiology is interesting. Let me dig into that a little bit more because physical therapy obviously involves a lot of physiology. Were you shadowing a physical therapist at the time? Were you getting more exposure and and kind of seeing what's going on day to day and and you weren't really connecting with it? Or or was it really just the physiology was like, oh, I want to dig in more than just PT? I would say um, it wasn't just physiology itself drives me into uh medicine i was doing a lot of shadowing at different settings because for pt schools they have specific requirements for shadowing hours Mm -hmm. and i have already shadowed inpatient unit i was shadowing outpatient unit and also i was working with students with disabilities um in our school's department helping them with uh physical therapy and at that point I was also taking the EMT class. So I was kind of getting exposure in different aspects of the healthcare field. And I just think like what the PTs are doing is really cool and awesome. But at the same time, I think I can like what I've learned, I want to utilize what I learned more instead of just doing physical therapy. Like there's more into that um, learning aspect and more like I learned a lot of things about physiology. I don't think that applied too much into PT as I was shadowing. And when I do my clinical hours in EMT, a class, I I went to the ED and I look at what the ED doctors are doing. And I was like, this is something that gets me fulfilled. Yeah. Like I can use my knowledge there like more Okay, kind of thing. Yeah. So, so I heard you mention earlier that you we're looking to come to the U.S. to study. So it sounds like you're an international student. Is that correct? Yes, I uh, am an international student. And at this point in the game, are you a resident at all? Green card? Anything? No, I'm still international. So still pure international student. All right, perfect. Yep. So let's talk about being an international student because I get so many questions and and there's so much misinformation about international yeah. students out there. 
for you, when you decided to make that switch from international student, or not from international student, from (laughs) pre-PT to pre-med as an international student, did you have any sort of pushback or any doubt in your mind that said, oh, wait, I'm an international student. I can't go to medical school in the U.S.? Oh, there are definitely a lot of doubt. Uh, as I was doing the transition, it involves a lot of thinking. Because um, I, as I did my research later on, I realized that most PT schools in the U.S. accept international students, while only a portion of medical schools accept international students. So at that point, as I was thinking about whether I should transition from a pre-PT to pre-medicine, there are a lot of doubt. But I never think it's something not doable because I, I, there's no can't in my dictionary. It, it might sound a little bit cheesy, but yeah, that is. But fortunately, I got a lot of great mentors and, and advice from my friend. I have a friend who was who happened to be applying at that cycle and was also an international student. So I consulted with her a lot. And also my in our school, we have our pre-health advisor who happened to be really off, uh, awesome, not awful, sorry. Because <laughs> I know, um, it, I listen to your podcast a lot. I know uh, how pre- pre-health advisors are usually pictured as, but our pre-health advisors are actually really amazing. And That's great. they gave you a lot, they gave me a lot of great advice and helped me plan things out in a practical way. And I, I, I decided to just go with what my passion and my motivation is and yeah. pursue this journey. Awesome. Yeah, there there are definitely amazing pre-med advisors out there. I don't want to, to make it sound like there aren't any. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, there are a lot of bad ones too, but that's just yeah, like any, any field, anywhere, anytime. So yeah, that's why I feel really lucky that I... I have to help from amazing people. Yeah. Yeah. So what what do you think was the first step for you to to figure out this journey, not only as a pre-med student, right? This new pre-med student who's changing during <laughs> college, but also mm-hmm. as an international student. What what do you think that first step was to to figure things out? Honestly, though, for me, I don't think being an international student makes me change how I do and as a pre-med compared to if I'm not an international student. I just okay. know that I have to do more. Yeah. Uh, so basically, once I realize that I'm doing this transition, the first thing I start to do is look through what kind of prerequisite I have to take. Because this is like at the end of my sophomore year. So it's a really short turnout time. And if I'm going to apply in junior summer, I have to take a lot of prereqs. And plus MCAT. So at that point, I was just doing playing, planning things out with um, the advisors and planning things out, asking my friend who was applying that cycle. And then I just go ahead and hit the library and study, you know? <laughs> when you and say... also just volunteering. Yeah. When you say you had to do more, what do you mean by that? I think um, when I say doing more is... There, are, I have a lot of friends who are also in the pre-med community and I see how amazing they are. And I think when med school evaluates students, everything's, everyone has the same starting point, but because we're international students, so we have to have something else that's convincing them, convincing the med school that we are worth investing the money on. Like we have to do, uh, to, to have like, to be special that 
they have a reason of admitting us compared to other U.S. students, because obviously they could have just admit someone else who's as qualified as as we are, if like because we have more documentation and stuff like that. More documentation, like, financial obligations, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. When you were looking at applying to medical schools, one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of international students is that financial obligation to to prove to the medical school I can pay for my medical education because international students aren't eligible for the normal student loans that most students get. So when you were applying to medical school, were you only looking at schools that could provide 100% scholarships for you or private loans directly from the school? How are you going about from a financial perspective or were you lucky enough to to have the financial side kind of handled and, and that wasn't a, a, a worry or a concern? Yeah, I have to say I'm really grateful and lucky that I don't have to worry too much about the financial side. It definitely took me a lot of the waiting because on my side, I don't want my family to suddenly be put on such a huge burden mm -hmm. for like four years of tuition. So when I was, as I was transitioning from pre-PT to pre-medicine, the first thing, one of the first things I've done is to have a conversation with my family, especially my mom, who's mainly providing me this financial support. Mm -hmm. I have long discussions with her. I consult with her and we plan everything out, figured out that no money would not be a huge concern over here. She was fully supportive of whatever I really want to pursue in my journey. So I was lucky that money was not a barrier when I was looking through schools. Yeah. And talk through that a little bit. It's not something we've really dug into uh, a lot. When you were applying and, and now having been accepted, what sort of evidence have you had to provide to the schools to show that you have the financial means to pay for school? Oh, so um, it kind of depends on schools. Mm -hmm. uh, most schools policy is you have to provide the funding for one years of tuition and fees. Uh, they will provide you like an estimate of uh, the amount of costs for one years of attending school and mm -hmm. tuition and fee. And then you have to either, usually they will set up like account and have you transfer that found into that account before the school starts so that they're no, they're, they know for sure that you can pay the tuition. Mm -hmm. And there are other schools who will require four years of full tuition transferred to that account before they can issue you an I-20, which is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. But, but yes, most schools require one year. There are schools who require like, uh, full four years of tuition. So what they do is like, they just take money from that account from time being that it's like, once you start med school, you yeah. don't have to transfer more money. They just take it from that account. You can also like provide a, I think a bank issued cert, like proof of evidence of funding kind mm -hmm. of thing, but it's harder to do go from that route. Yeah. It's almost like, and most students listening to this probably haven't bought a house yet, but it's very similar to, buying a house where you get exactly, approved yeah. for a mortgage. And so you have this letter mm -hmm. from the bank saying, Hey, uh, Jerry has a mortgage approved for $400,000. Mm -hmm. Go let her buy a house for $400,000. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, actually that, 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 that's one thing that can work for some of my schools is like a letter mortgage or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay. So for you, when, when it came to, 
applying to medical schools, right? They, not mm-hmm. every medical school accepts international students. A lot yeah. more actually say that they do accept international students, but they really don't. Uh, so how did it how did it work for you to figure out which schools truly accept international students and and which schools that you should focus on when you applied? Um, for me, composing the school list is definitely something really hard and it took, took me a while to do that. Um, so the first starting point I would say is MSAR. Some people don't like MSAR, but I think it's totally worth the money just to get a base, basic understanding of how schools recruit students. Uh, they have this like filter thing that I can click on and I click on international and suddenly only like 50 or 60 schools appear on my screen. But one trick thing is there are some schools who say they accept international student, but it's Canadians only. Yep. So I have to really look into the actual school profile and then exclude those schools from my list. After that, I can start looking at the number of international students who get invitation invites and also acceptance. So it's kind of based on the higher likelihood of getting an international student to an interview and the higher likelihood of getting accepted as an international student is my criteria of selecting schools. But also like um, I listened to your podcast about, I know you did one on making up the school list mm-hmm. and that really helped me a lot too. Cause I wasn't, there's no such thing. I don't look at tiers because for me, I think, the most important thing is getting that medical training and seeing a school that fits. I also look at their missions and visions a lot when I was doing my school list as well. Good. What were you looking for in those mission and vision statements? I think um, for me, I really, after just four years of undergrad, I realized how much I love clinical things. So I look a lot at like hands-on experiences and then connections to the communities. Mm -hmm. And because I enjoyed volunteering a lot, I one of the most enjoyable thing in my undergrad year is volunteering with students with those disabilities. I think that played a played a huge part in shaping who I am right now. So I was mainly looking at the connections to the community, helping people, and then uh, also it's just like uh, self initiatives into moving the medical world forward, kind of thing. Okay, for you trying to decipher a, a lot of students will say that all the mission and vision statements look alike how did you decipher between them all <laughs> it, it definitely there are similarities but i think for me as i mentioned i really enjoyed clinical i'm not saying i don't like research i also do research but you can tell when some schools are really research heavy some schools are really in between clinical and research or some schools play more emphasis on clinical things. So I think other than mission and vision, I look at specific programs from schools uh, or like if they have like a special program that's that emphasizes like clinical re- uh, clinical experiences, shadowing or helping, cl- uh, uh, helping with the community with free clinics. Those are things that I look for when I go into a website. It's like studying this school specifically. Yeah. So it takes a long time. 
Yeah. So you had this kind of, you, you started at the top with 170 or so medical schools, right? <laughs> and then it, you click on international, you filter it down, and then you look even deeper. Is it truly international? Is it Canadian? And so it filters yeah. down even more. And then you're looking at all of the, the, the mission and vision statements and filters down even more. So at the end, how many schools were you left with that you could apply to? Um, I had a good amount of 30 couple of schools that I think I can do. And then I ended up applying to 20 schools. Awesome. So there were still plenty of schools out there. So that's the thing. Like a lot of international students think like, oh, I can only get into like three schools that will accept me. Well, yeah, the thing is like, um, it gets hard when you started to decide the 19th or the 20th school, because if you look at your acceptance data, it most likely it's 0% for the past year, but you still got to bite the bullet because the more you apply, you, you can never say that you won't be the first one or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why not you? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think it was in your application that, that stood out for you to get multiple interviews and at least one acceptance? Um, honestly, I don't know. I think. For my application, the most thing that stood out is my clinical experiences. Like I said, I've done shadowing. I've done the EMT class. I've been doing volunteering since my freshman year. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that's really important is like my shadowing experience does not just come from one field of healthcare. Mm -hmm. uh, as I was a pre-PT student, I decided to include uh, my physical therapy experience in my medical application because yeah. it showed... It, it's one of the aspects that lead me into deciding to do medicine. And I know that medicine is the only thing I really want to do. So I shadowed PTs and I, I shadowed some paramedics while I was doing my EMT class. And then after I decided to do pre-med, I shadowed a lot of ED doctors as well. So I have this kind of clinical exposure of knowing the pre-hospital and hospital and then post-hospital care kind of like a holistic view and also the volunteering experiences student with students with disabilities i think that is something really important to me and important to the application because they're the inspiration of pursuing this dream for me they're like my motivation and my role models mm -hmm. yeah and and you mentioned like you decided to include your pre-pt stuff I would 1000% if a student is pre-nursing, pre-PT, pre-PA, doing uh, clinical experiences, I would 1000% include those. Typically where I tell students not to include is the shadowing involved with those things. Um, oh. So that's a little bit different. I don't know if you included shadowing as well, but usually um, I tell students not to include that. Yeah. Or if they do make sure that it's not the only shadowing that they have, no, um, that they no. have physician shadowing as well. Yeah, I wouldn't put it on my application, just shadow and PT, and then yeah. suddenly I'm applying to med school. That's, <laughs> that sounds a little bit interesting. Yes, it happens. It's very strange. It happens. Very cool. <laughs> what was it like for you as an international student? You're applying to medical schools. You're, you're waiting to hear back. As an international student, you're in this kind of weird limbo. I'm assuming right? you're here on a, a visa to go to school. And, and the risk of not getting in, there's this question of, do you have to now leave the country if your visa expires because you're not in school anymore? What, what is that extra stress like? Uh, yeah, it was, it was really stressful 
I, I know you always say no plan B <laughs> and I learned cause I had a plan B, but I never executed it <laughs> because, um, I was thinking if I didn't get in and my visa expired after I graduate, then uh, I will, the only chance, uh, the only thing I can do is go back to my country and kinesiology. Uh, I'm majoring in kinesiology, by the way, if yep. I did not mention it earlier. Yep. And kinesiology is not such a good, uh, such a popular major back home in China. And then I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. So I plan out after I finish my application for med school to take the GRE and potentially apply to some PT schools while I was waiting, but that never happened. Mm. Okay. So that's good. You didn't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I still thought about doing it. It wasn't because I learned that I got accepted before I started taking the GRE. It was, I, I was, I think while I was playing my plan B, I didn't realize how much energy and how much time the medical school application takes away from. Yeah. And yeah. after, or, or if you want to look at it the other way, how much time and energy focusing on the GRE and, and yeah. PT applications yeah. would have taken away from your med school applications. That's why I tell students not to, not to have that plan B because it's yeah, taking I away think, from your A. I think that's definitely true. Like I, now I understand why you say no plan B because it's not doable to do it at both times. And I tell my advisor, I said, if I really want to do a PT application, I want to make sure it, it is a good one as well. So that's why I stopped thinking about my plan B and just go straight ahead and do what I got to do to get into med school. Yeah. Awesome. What was the most kind of strange, exciting fearful thing that you did on the interview trail? Uh, interview trail. Uh, I don't know. I, it, I think most my interview trails are really fun to be honest, because I have to travel to all the places I have to fly to, uh, Syracuse for one of my interviews. And, um, I stayed with student hosts, uh, for all three of my interviews. Oh, no, no. Uh, two of my, three interviews okay. and living with student hosts is really interesting experience. I highly recommend it. Yeah, it it's definitely you, good. It gets you yeah. in, involved and kind of entrenched in the culture of the school and everything yeah. else. Yeah. I didn't realize I will end up in a sleeping bag for one of my student hosts. <laughs> and then the other was on a couch, but those are really unique experiences, but all of my, both my student hosts are really nice and they, they share their experience of their med school journey and uh, things to do around and how to like survive because most of them are M1 student, like how to survive the first year of medical school and how their life has been, how they like the school and the curriculum. So I think my, my interview experiences are really nice. Do you think staying with those student hosts affected your your interview and, and acceptance or the, the whole kind of uh, journey for, for that interview day at all, like them giving feedback to the admissions committee or anything like that? Um, I think, I think staying with the students has obviously helped me a lot in learning about the schools and how being a student there actually feels like, but in terms of them making plays into 
the school accepting me, most of them say that they don't give feedbacks to the admission committee or something okay. like that. They, they straight so up say I, that. I, I, I do not know if they do or do not give feedbacks, but I think from my personal perspective, they definitely give me a lot of idea of what this medical school is like and how it feels like to be a student there. Yeah. Good. And it saves you a little bit of money, which is good. Oh, it saves me a lot of money. <laughs> uh, did any of the schools that you interviewed at have like a, a party the night before, a little social gathering the night before? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think two two of the three had. Okay. Did you um, go to so, both of those? Yes, I, I did. I asked you on Instagram, actually. I, I asked <laughs> you, uh, should I go? And you were like, go for it. Yes, <laughs> and, a thousand percent. Yes, uh, it was... A thousand, a thousand percent worth going to. Yeah. What was that night like? Um, it was really casual. One of it was kind of hectic because my bus got delayed two hours. Oh no! So I was actually late for the party. But the student host and the the students who coordinate for this party said they're really nice and they communicate with me. They texted me saying they sent me a picture of the menu and asked what I want. And they ordered it for me. And then once I got there, the food is there. Like they serve it hot and fresh and tasty. So it was really awesome. And then you just sit with other applicants and other student hosts, randomly chatting about all things about being in med school and where you're from and who they are, things like that. Mm -hmm. And the other one was a pizza party at where we live because, um, that school, how the interview works is every student, all the interviewers for that day, inter interviewees for that day will live in the same area. Uh, it's like a residence hall for the medical student, but they just designated those rooms for the interviewees. I, I say it's kind of like Hunger Games where all of you <laughs> just know each other, see them, see each other the morning, the night before, and then the morning starts and you're just living in a cubicle. So we had a pizza party over there was a lot of M1 student and M2 student. And we chatted for the entire night, just about how it feels like to be a student there and just everything. Yeah. Good. So definitely uh, when students ask me all the time, like, should I go to this social the night before? And it's uh, definitely do it. More exposure yeah. is good. That's the whole point of the interview process, right? Is getting to know the people and them getting to yeah. know you. And it just will, unless you're um, socially awkward and having a bad <laughs> night and go in uh, inappropriately dressed and, and oh, everything yeah. else, then it can only help you. Yeah. And I think really what's really nice is it gives you a feeling of the school from the student side, like how the student community is. It's really interesting to see how students interact with each other as well. Like, are they happy and are they, are they friends with each other? Like how they interact with each other really gives you a feeling of, oh, what if I become a student here? Like how my relationship with my peers would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a lot of students forget that when when you're there on your interview day and at that social and everything else, you're you're interviewing the school and the students and really <laughs> trying to see if it's a fit for you. And a lot of students are like, well, I don't care. I, I, I hope just just get into a medical school. So whoever's going to take me takes me. But if you're lucky enough to have multiple acceptances, then you start to to think about which one's going to be the best fit for you. Yeah, I think listen to your listening to your podcast. I think you emphasize this point a lot is you don't just want to go into a med school. You want to go into a med school that fits you as well as, yep. as well as you fit them. Yeah. You definitely 
are a good listener of the podcast. So thank you for that. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> it works. Oh. It works. Definitely works. Um, let's talk about, as an international student, looking at osteopathic medical schools. Was that something you looked at applying to or you decided not to? Um, so I considered DO schools as I was starting my application, but I didn't know what happened during my school research. I have this wrong idea that DO schools don't accept international students, which I learned later on was wrong. Mm -hmm. So as I was talking to uh, my fellow pre-med, uh, international pre-med students who are applying to the next cycle, I always recommend considering DO schools as well because they, uh, as I was shadowing in the ED, I've seen MDs and DOs and they they basically do the same thing. There's no such like big difference. Nope. And also DO schools give you, uh, like um, on top of applying to med schools, gives you more chance of getting somewhere to do what you really want to do. So I highly recommend that. Although yeah. if I didn't do it myself. Yeah, that's all right. Very cool. So Jerry, as we wrap up here, what's, what's the biggest tip that you can give to an international student trying to figure out their journey to getting into a U.S. medical school? I think my biggest tip is um, it's definitely a hard thing to do, but it, it can get really discouraging at some point, but keep reminding yourself your motivation and your dream, what you really want to do and put in the effort, it will, it will reward you at the very end. And also utilizing resources is a really important point. Like listening to podcasts, like pre-health advisors, you pre your, your peers that has been through that journey. Like what I really want to really, what I try to do right now is try to share my experience with all my peers who are trying to pursue this medical journey. And just also remember to take care of yourself mentally and physically because you have to be prepared for this long journey. All right. So there you have it again, Jerry sharing her story as an international student coming to this country, running through all of the obstacles, the financial obstacles and everything else that comes as an international student. A lot of students don't think that they can get into a U.S. medical school as an international applicant, but I've had several international students on this podcast before, and I have told their stories or they have told their stories and I have shared their stories with you to give you the motivation and encouragement and advice to let you know that it is possible as an international student to get in to a U.S. medical school. I hope this was helpful for you. I hope you have a wonderful new year and everything that you want comes your way in this new year and in the future. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on The Pre-Med Years. This is MedEd Media.